You are sunlight and I moon Joined by the gods of fortune Midnight and high noon Sharing the sky We have been blessed you and I. Do you know the song? It's from Miss Saigon. There is a recording from New York or from London of like the 25, 30 year celebration. So good if you can get your hands on watching this Miss Saigon production. But here's the big, the big part. Let's see. Um, Cause you're here with me and you are sunlight and I'm the blue moon. The birds awake, the stars shine too, my hands still shake, I reach for you, and we meet in the sky. Or we can meet right here on my new podcast episode. Let's dive in. This is a good one, soul sibling. I have been simmering and writing and reviewing and ruminating, and here I am to open my heart up to you. Let's dive in. Welcome to Viral Mindfulness, the podcast. I'm your host, Alexander Smith. Some people call me Mr. Blue. Either way, I'm looking to be your spiritual muse. Well, shit, how y'all doing? That's so good. Leslie Jordan on Instagram. Oh my gosh. So, well, shit, how y'all doing, you hunker downers? How's everybody? How are you? I mean, really, things continue to dive down and not so far up for a lot of us. So today's episode, I really had you in mind. You are my soul sibling. I am here to share my experience to be of service. And I've been contemplating these ideas for several weeks. The question we're, we're tackling today, two of them, can spirituality be truly integrated into our lives right now with all that's going on? Another iteration of this question is, how do I, how do you integrate spirituality into your life today, tomorrow, this weekend? How do you do it? So I'm here with some ideas. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about my recent breakdowns and where I've been, and then I'm going to dive into this material. And then, of course, I'll finish with a couple uh, viral mindfulness inversions. I like to call them that because it's related to yoga where we do an inversion and we take our head and we put it below our heart so that our heart is on top, our heart is forward. So these inversions, viral mindfulness inversions, VMIs, oh yeah, they're part of the trail talk today because we're going to look at the obstacles that are part of integrating the spiritual life. So for myself, I keep having these cycles and it's so funny how the down cycle really leaves me in a state of dysthymia, as I talked about in the last few episodes, depressed feelings, chronic, persistent depression. For me, it's lethargic. It's me sleeping, eating unhealthy choices, 
wanting to just veg instead of doing the work. Well, my work that I'm referencing is you. I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to put you on the back burner. It's just that I work full-time still and I have all these digital digital marketing content creation stuff and then if and when I do extra which is viral mindfulness here with podcasts it's viral mindfulness academy which you've heard me talking about and I have postponed the launch of a couple times already this year and it makes me feel like a failure to even say that to you Viral Mindfulness Academy is a place online, a classroom, where I can share with you mindfulness topics and teach you and be of service. And my first offering that's up is a really awesome course about guided meditation and using the breath and kind of just going through a real simple and kind of what's helped me make connections. And if I don't do those tasks after my work day, then they don't get done and they don't get to you. And thankfully, I have this podcast and I've been doing it for a couple years now. And so it's in my systems and processes. So here I am today, picking up again, beginning again, practicing that oh so juicy um, way of starting afresh for this day. And I wanted to get this information into your hand because if you're anything like me, and I can't imagine that you're not going through the thick of it, each week I have many friends that I talk to who are close friends. I have recovery friends and acquaintances where we check in with each other. I also have two full-time recovery groups that I belong to to help me with particularly my addictions with drugs. And one is AA, Alcoholics Anonymous, which um, I just celebrated five years on the 24th of September. And I want to be careful not to say too much because I don't know how it happens. It's somewhat of a mystery and I followed simple suggestions and I haven't had drugs or alcohol for five years. And alcohol was never a huge problem for me, but I definitely can see how I would very easily be suspect to it especially with my history with meth particularly and weed and all kinds of other things that go up your nose or party pills, all that good stuff. Five years, I never thought it was doable. I tried for 12 years and I consistently kept falling and it wasn't until I entered 12 steps. But at the same time that I that I really dug in in 2015 to AA, I also dug into refuge recovery, the Eightfold Path and the Buddhist Perspective. And currently, I belong to a different Buddhist program called Recovery Dharma, and I've been a co-facilitator of an LGBTQIA plus meeting for almost two years now, which is growing and thriving online in Zoom because of our current situation. So having achieved that and being here in this moment and the great dysthymia of 2020 as we head into the first presidential debate with Trump and Biden tonight in real time, and towards the election and all the issues that are pressing, I consistently fall into these dysthymic cycles, and I've been in one the last three weeks. And thankfully, this, you know, breakdown time, I have consistently stayed rooted in my body and more healthy eating choices and regular yoga and walks at the wetlands or walks to the sunset on the sand. 
man, sometimes I just feel so much. And within all these people I connect, like the recovery communities, both of those meetings I attend each week, I hear at least 15 people in each meeting, which makes about 30 plus the extra others. I bet I hear 45 people's deep, way deep expressions of what's happening. And it is intense. So you're there too, I know. And you might be in a different sort of cycle. But for me, I consistently catch myself not wanting to believe that this is happening or feeling so desperate to feel good or to be in, I don't know, the propensity to cling to feeling good. And so I wanted to share these ideas with you because at the core of it, I've got notes here is, you know, I think we misunderstand our spiritual practice And I want to give a disclaimer that I'm taking this information directly from a teacher and a book that I've read several times. And it took me many years to get to this book. In 2007-8 and some of my huge breakdowns with HIV and AIDS and getting out of my relationship with my boyfriend of four years, I was instructed by our therapist who was the last therapist that I've seen. And I've been to many therapists for over a decade to contemplate and do the work in that setting. That therapist at the time, his name is Sean Demers. He left Utah. I left Utah. And he had always recommended to read Jack Kornfield's book, A Path with Heart, A Guide Through the Perils and Promises of Spiritual Life. It took me a couple years before I could get into it and really grasp it. And then I've returned to it a couple times the entire book in the last five years. This book is so meaty and helpful for me. It takes someone who was in the Eastern ideas in the 70s who brought a lot of the ideas here to the United States and left that kind of Buddhist spiritual, I'm going to go to the East and eat, pray, love, and I'm going to come back here And I'm going to actually get into the academia and into the Western sort of psychology perspective. So I really liked how he can pair together those two. So I took these notes that I'm presenting to you and I've been writing and thinking and seeing how what I read here in this book several times over 15 years of my life has been part of my viral mindfulness. This ability to be present, actively present And to use mindfulness as a way to integrate spirituality into my life. So I give great credit to Jack Kornfield. And these are what I wanted to share with you today based off of me looking at my life and what I've learned. So here we are. How do I integrate spirituality into one's life, especially right now? I think we really misunderstand spiritual practice. And Kornfield, Jack... Definitely, definitely illuminates this. I can see how I've used spirituality or practice, mindfulness even, to escape my life. Oftentimes, you know, the music that I'm creating with this mindfulness practice in my world, the melody, even the harmonies with other people or my projects or my watercolors, the lyrics, the soundtrack, the poetry of this Oftentimes, I can mistakenly use these 
Use the practice as a way to avoid the pains and the difficulties of my human experience and my particular story. Can you at all relate to this? Do you ever enter temples or churches or mosques, a synagogue, a festival, a ceremony, a monastery, a country, a relationship looking for the special effects, those spiritual special effects? I know I do often. Here's another interesting one. Do you ever use your body rather than inhabit your body? This is such a good one for me because especially right now in my life, I feel a lot of discomfort around my body to be honest and vulnerable. Um, I turned 47 in the last year. Um, My eyes, I need glasses full time. For the first time, the center of my body, my tummy, has that 47-year-old softness that many describe. I've been on HIV medications for 18 plus years now. I, I've always worried about the long-term effects. There's lots of research that shows higher percentages of issues with cancer or heart disease or diabetes or you know, lack of bone density or cholesterol. My cholesterol is rising. And for the first time, my doctor has tagged it and we're looking at it. And I feel the weight and the depth of my body in a different way. And I sometimes really get into worrying about what's going on. Yoga has shifted for me. I also know that I'm in the COVID world where we're all at home more. We're not traveling as much. We're eating our feelings more. At least I am. So also when I was a drug addict, I used my body. And I didn't know how to do anything else, particularly coming from such a lengthy three decades of religious abuse and deep shame around sex and my body. So I want to lay out a couple, several roadblocks to getting into our spiritual practice and life. Here's one. Do you ever suffer with really striving for spirituality, putting in so much effort into your practice. (laughs) I know I have. Do you ever try really hard to hold your body still when you're meditating? Do you ever really try to concentrate and use your willpower and use your mind power and use the law of attraction to marshal mental power? How about this roadblock? Do you try to overcome pain? Do you try to overcome HIV? God, that's an interesting one for me. I mean, in 2007-8, I stopped taking antiretrovirals because I was sure that the law of attraction and creating my day through intentions was putting me in a state of a perfect immune system. And what happened after a year is I had developed AIDS and had no had very low T cells, alarming low T cell counts. I had developed a full butterfly rash coming down from my scalp. And it was my dear sweet John Harvey Cates who said, I think you have an AIDS-related issue going on. How about this roadblock? Are you trying to overcome your distractions? Here's one. 
This one's so interesting. Do you use your spiritual practice to strive for states of clarity and light for understanding and vision? I mean, right now with COVID 2020, with Donald Trump and Mr. Biden, with racial injustice, with the realities of this election, with the depth of the economy and where we head for the second wave of COVID-19, the social dilemma, that documentary that's illuminating all of us about the social media and the disinformation. I watched The Great Hack looking at how Facebook ads suppressed votes and completely swayed 70,000 voters in the 2016 election. Are you using spiritual practice right now like I am sometimes to strive for a state of light because this all feels so dark and heavy and for clarity because I'm not sure what is real at times and yet I am finding more clarity. So here's a little assessment of this critique. I'm going to kind of dive back into each one of these. You know, Jack, dear old Jack Cohenfield says the same thing, that most of this striving where we strive and put in all this effort into spiritual meditation. And sorry, I very well have perpetuated some of this through viral mindfulness, if you've been following with me for a while, where this striving itself increases our problems or, or our suffering. Another idea... I've become at times more judgmental of myself in my spiritual practice, using this active presence as another strategy to judge myself. I've even been more cut off from myself, where I deny my feelings, you know, where I'm numb or I try to numb. I definitely feel great about the fact that, you know, I'm not numbing my feelings anymore with drugs with alcohol, with mind-altering substances, but I certainly numb myself with television, with social media, with uh, food, with this striving for spiritual enlightenment. I know I avoid my feelings sometimes, particularly when it comes to friends of mine who are approaching their last year or life with cancer for my father who has dementia and what that plays out with him and my stepmom from my mother and her aging and just knowing that at some point I will bury and be without parents. I know sometimes I indulge in lots of things to avoid or cut off from myself. Also cut off from my body. At times, I've been so abusive and used my body. I've exploited my body, judged my body. Even right now at 47 with this soft center that's new for me. Oh, by the way, I've also, you know, had to look at my wardrobe. Things don't fit. I've been wearing the same wardrobe for a good 15, 20 years, some of the items. And suddenly my waist size and my butt size and my thigh size is different. And I don't want to perpetuate the ladder of body oppression and I don't want to perpetuate toxic masculinity and be a gay man who has this 
but I judge myself and I cut myself off from my body sometimes. And right now, as we speak, I'm working on being very kind and focusing on healthy choices that nourish my life force, that give me movement in yoga. I also often cut myself off from humanity by denying the complexity of it, the paradoxes. Man, right now more than ever, are we not in the paradox and the complexity in 2020 and denying the loneliness? Here's another assessment or critique. This striving towards enlightenment, that is something that's outside of us usually. For me, I often catch myself striving towards feeling enlightenment or awake as this outside external or this future event. Also, this ex expectation for it to happen. If I meditate now for 20 minutes, this is going to bring me peace. This is going to bring me enlightenment. And this is a thing. It's a person, place, or thing, or idea. And I'm striving towards it. I'm striving towards a spiritual goal. And these often increase my separation. Also, it often with the arrival, with the arrival of some spiritual goal or some peace, I often feel unworthy or shame or trauma or rage or stigma or self-hatred or self-pity, dysthymia. I fear these feelings, these judgments of thoughts connected to the topics, the spiritual striving often strengthens all of these feelings from the past. All right, so what do we do with all of this? Well, my teacher, I talk about Adi Ashanti. I've been really, I chose him to be someone, I chose him to be my teacher five years ago. I wanted a spiritual teacher. I wanted to follow teachings in practice. His work resonates with me. I've been in retreat with him for three consecutive years online. I've met with him in group settings twice in person. When there's more travel and get-togethers, I will be at a five-day silent retreat with him. One of the things I've learned is that eventually I'm going to exhaust myself out from striving and seeking, seeking mindfulness, seeking truth. And what will be left, what remains, is what really matters. What if my spiritual practice, my instinct and impulse? Well, here's the point. I really believe at this point that this spiritual practice in life, that it's not related to a striving or a spiritual idealism. That this practice, it takes really great dedication and it takes energy and it takes a commitment to one's soul values. It takes a commitment to beauty. Jack Kornfield says here in quotes, to open deeply as genuine spiritual life requires, we need tremendous courage and strength. We need a kind of warrior heart. Wow.
Let's try not to run from our lives. Let's try not to cover up, to cover it over with a philosophy or a material thing or a spiritual teacher. One might even argue, even myself, I wrote this down as an argument. Well, isn't viral mindfulness, isn't mindfulness a philosophy, an idea? Am I not using this to cover up? And then I realized, you know, mindfulness for me is a lens. It's not a philosophy. It's a filter. It's a way of being. It's an act of presence. And it's rooted in a moment-to-moment awareness, in this rhythm And I've been practicing viral mindfulness for many years, if not a decade. And this rhythm is becoming more, I just choked on my own saliva, is becoming, this rhythm is becoming like, it's becoming more authentic. And I definitely feel like it's rooted in energy and commitment and courage. So here's the summary, my dear soul sibling. I'm grateful that you've been with me at this point and this long for this episode just now. I have deep love and respect and appreciation for your time and your presence, and I know you have a lot that you can listen to. I hope that this can be of service to you. And I'm going to summarize and wrap up with what do we do then? How can we do this? And what are some viral mindfulness ideas, some inversions We need a warrior's heart. We need to let our hearts guide this spiritual life. I'm on the trail. I'm honored you're here with me. Viral Mindfulness Academy is going to be a place where I have offerings for you to practice. They will be arriving soon to your emails if you're an email insider or subscriber with me. If you're not, you can head over to viralmindfulness.com and Add your name to my email list and I will certainly let you know right soon in the next few weeks when I have access for you to a breath of fresh air, which is a great, great experience. It's more than just a course. It's an experience to really dive into guided meditation using the breath and the element of air. And of course, you can buy watercolors if you need something to hang in your space or near your altar. And finally, if you want to do some group coaching with me live for a period of 30 or 60 days, those are coming your way for fall and winter. I am, I am here. So let's wrap this up. The warrior's heart. To face our lives directly. To face what's happening right now directly. To make space for the pain. You know, I recently realized that my creative life with watercolors, even this podcast, music at the piano, I used to do it so much for a result and I was so obsessed about what I'm creating and is it going to make money and will people like it? And now I'm like, no, it doesn't matter. What's most important now is this spiritual drive that I can no longer keep quiet It creates a space within me. It it puts me in touch with my inward landscape. My practice of spirituality is an inward orientation that links me to this inner landscape. To my soul, its values, to something eternal. And my creativity now, 
creates a bigger space within me, and for that I am so grateful. The warrior's heart teaches me to learn about my limitations. It also teaches me to face my joys and to face what's possible. So this courage includes all of my life, every aspect of my life in my spiritual practice, especially my body, my discomforts in my body at 27, my viruses. You know I'm HIV positive. You know I've had an AIDS diagnosis. I know I've been on meds for many years. My spiritual practice makes space for my family. My family is complicated for me sometimes. I'm an openly gay man who's HIV positive and a recovering drug addict, an uncovering drug addict. And a lot of my family is very active in the LDS faith. I've learned to also embrace that space between us. And what I mean particularly about that is that I kept trying to not, well, we're going to do another episode about that. How about that? I'm going to go on a digress. I'm going to digress and go into space. So space is coming and whole, a whole episode. You're going to love it. My spiritual practice makes space for recovery. It makes space for addiction, for sex, sex as a gay man with HIV on medications. It makes space for politics, the earth's ecology, art, education, the spiritual arts. My dear soul sibling, I believe that within you is a inner landscape that's deeply connected to your soul. And I believe that if you can tap into your heart and let your heart begin to lead your trail, that you too will tap into some of these ideas of the warrior spirit where you can have more more pers- a, a, a wider perspective, kind of like a big mind, the sky, something deep within you to support you right now on your spiritual path. I am so grateful that you're here and I just wanted to Wish you a beautiful evening, afternoon, morning, weekend, or the beginning of your week, whenever you're listening to this. And I will see you next time here on the podcast. All my love to you, my dear soul sibling. Let me be your muse to music, mindfulness, creativity, and compassion over at my website, viralmindfulness.com. You can also find me regularly throughout the week over at Instagram. That's also at viralmindfulness. Whale Shea, are you still here with me? Okay, fine. I'll read you a one poem before I go. Don't twist my arm. Okay, this poem is super short. It's called Wooden. Okay, Wooden, W-O-O-D-E-N. It's written by K. Ryan. Okay, listen up. In the presence of supple goodness, some people grow less flexible. Experiencing a woodenness they wouldn't have thought possible. 
It is as strange and paradoxical as the combined suffering of Pinocchio and Geppetto. If Pinocchio had turned and said, I can't be human after all. Isn't that great? You can be a human and you can live a spiritual life. So I wanted to just also tell you a little bit about my podcast here. Did you know there are a couple different versions of my podcast? So the numbered episodes are my big full-blown mindfulness topics, meditation at times, exploring the themes of viral mindfulness which include mindfulness, meditation, creativity, watercolors, music. There are also smaller episodes, which are less than 10 minutes long. Soul Sibling Sunday, uh-huh, S-S-S, triple S. Look for those episodes. It'll either start with a number, which you know is the full episode. The S-S-S is Soul Sibling Sunday. Also Trail Talk. Trail talk is shorter. It's something I'm thinking about mindfulness. Information about Viral Mindfulness Academy. And Soul Sibling Sunday is kind of like a love letter directly to you. Things that I often write and take the time to put into prose. And the final installment of Viral Mindfulness, the podcast, I wanted to make it easy for you to get a guided meditation if you need one. So if you look for Makes It Happen, uh, it will give you the title or the topic of the meditation. And sometimes they're from other teachers. And there's a recent one from Adi Ashanti. I'm recording one for from Ram Das called I Am Loving Awareness that will be available. So you can backtrack through the episode list and you can find those different versions of the podcast. And finally... If you're interested in subscribing, even leaving a short review where you get your podcasts, it would definitely be helpful for me to get my podcast out to more listeners and to fulfill my goal to be of service and to teach about mindfulness. So consider leaving a review and subscribing to my podcast. Again, Soul Sibling, thanks for being here. I'll see you next time.